The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. In the South, it's always college football season and the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. I've seen a lengthy list of what one NFL prospect needs to improve on. I say, oh, the list really not quite that long. It is Chuck Oliver Show on Friday. How are you? Where are you? Where I say nine states and 56 sticks. I don't know. Dan may be able to confirm this. I heard yesterday, like in passing, someone said, we're on 58 stations. I was like, what? I, I have missed the news. Uh, so I guess we're on nine, nine states, 58 stations. Unless, I don't know, like the two we picked up, one's in Arizona and one's in Winnipeg. Ten states and one province. That's not what happened. Uh, nine states and 58 sticks, so thank you all for that. But um, I've seen a lengthy list, and I mean, it is unfolding. It is oh, scrolls. Hear ye, hear ye. And then just, man, an unfolding of what one NFL prospect needs to improve on. An NFL prospect who also may go first overall, for all I know. Anthony Richardson, he needs a time machine. He needs to go back to, like, 1985. Because what he is is perfect for a quarterback for 1985. I will read you. Now, this is from NFL.com, which is about as just down there. I'll give NFL dot, NFL.com and NFL Network. They, to my recollection and observation pretty regularly, it is not a just a cleansing and bleaching of the NFL message. It's a pretty consistently down the middle sort of here's here's what it is. NFL got a knock when uh, what was that HBO or not HBO it was ESPN series Playmakers back around two thousand two thousand one. Well, yeah, NFL got that thing taken off the air. But NFL.com, it's a pretty, usually a pretty balanced site. <laughs> If you look up Anthony Richardson's draft profile under weaknesses, my goodness. Inconsistent. Inaccurate. Could use better feel for the timing of his progressions. Needs to throttle down his short throws. Below average touch and ball placement. Hasn't learned to manipulate coverage with his eyes. Struggles to paint intermediate zone holes with anticipatory throws. Accuracy issues, often a function of poor footwork. Loses track of coverage, will throw into danger. Too willing to flip the ball out instead of taking a sack. They just said when he does have time, he's not that accurate. And if he's pressured, he'll just throw the ball somewhere. I don't want to get hit. 
That is a long list of weaknesses. And I don't think that if this were 1985, he would need to improve really on any of those. Now, the tough part is this is not 1985 anymore. But when I say Anthony Richardson, he's a perfect quarterback for that age, that era, that window. We're not an age of 54% completion percentage or an age of 15 interceptions on a season. Now, those are only stats, and I've told you the stats don't matter. It matters how you get those stats, and he got them through being a better athlete and being bigger, faster, stronger. And that is a difficult peer for your NFL career to be based around. When I say 1985, see, because you know what Anthony's game is right now? Not overly accurate, and he may make enough plays to finish with more touchdowns and interceptions. Do you know what they may get you? I said that went 1985. If you go back like roughly 40 years, that may get you a national championship. Go look at the 1984 Washington Huskies. Do you know what they did? BYU won the national championship. They did. Washington beat Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl, and they got a share. A, a they got consideration and a vote from like the New York Times or you know somewhere like that for national champions. They were good. They were good. Had everybody coming back in 1985, didn't have quite the same season. But still, it was Washington, the winning record and bowl game and all that stuff. But I said 1985, and so that's the reason I just went and picked the 85 Washington Huskies. Now, understand the backdrop of this. This is how different the game was. I was alive. A lot of you were alive. Some of you are like conscious and watching and understanding. Some of you are older than me or the same age, and you go, oh, I remember 85 Washington. I remember that window for the Huskies. That was Don James, and they were really, 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 really good. 1980, when I say that Anthony Richardson, 54% com- per, uh, completion percentage, 15 interceptions. Folks, when I say that's perfect for 1985, Here was the 1985 Washington Huskies offense. NFL running back, NFL receiver, NFL tight end, two NFL offensive linemen. Two NFL quarterbacks. Two NFL quarterbacks who both played. Guy named Hugh Millen. Guy named Chris Chandler. Dan may remember him. He played for the Oilers for a few seasons. Actually, he was there to kind of caddy along uh, and help Steve McNair understand what football was. And then when Steve McNair was ready to play, they're like, all right, Chris, we're really done with you now. We got this guy. Hugh Millen and Chris Chandler, in addition to an NFL running back, NFL receiver, NFL tight end, and a couple of NFL linemen, they had two, two NFL quarterbacks. And they were good in a big conference. Do you know what these two future NFL – by the way, they were both uh, – Hugh Millen was a senior and Chandler might have been a junior. Like, they had already played. These were not like two redshirt freshmen who had never played, and I'm like tilting. No. Hugh Millen actually was the primary quarterback on the 84 National Championship-ish team. Chandler played some. 85? They kind of split duty. Two future NFL quarterbacks, the coaching staff was like, yeah, play both of them. You could do that in 1985. The other one wouldn't transfer. So they played both of them. 
and those were the two quarterbacks, folks. So it wasn't like they were way down the depth chart, the fourth quarterback and the sixth quarterback, and he actually played a little tight end. Uh, uh, uh. They were one and two, and it was actually like one and one A. And do you know the college numbers that two NFL quarterbacks on a good team surrounded by NFL talent, do you know the numbers they would have put up in 1985? I'm not even kidding, folks. I just kind of, in the top of my mind, I was like, who had NFL quarterback in 1985? And I thought of a couple of teams, and I was like, oh, Washington had two. So I went to the Huskies. What was not only acceptable, but, I mean, Don James, he was like, this is awesome. I love this setup for college quarterbacking in 1985. Hugh Millen and Chris Chandler combined to complete 57% of their passes Nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions. The NFL said, we'll take both. I mean, Dan, do you remember? I'm assuming he remembers Chris Chandler with Houston. Hugh Millen, he he played in the NFL. He was mostly on rosters, but he played. The NFL looked at that and said, oh, gosh, we'll take both of them. That's not what it is anymore, folks. It's, It's just not. Anthony Richardson, when you talk about a player that, you know, shoddy footwork, that's something everybody talks about. We normally think that he's stepping into his throws wrong or he's off balance. Bad footwork. Isn't that where most of our brains go? It's so much bigger than that. Shoddy footwork can be like, here was Tim Tebow's big, you know, Tim Tebow's footwork problem was? Part of it is because he's this big, giant dude playing quarterback, but his base that he threw out of? Think about what it's supposed to be, and you're look at a quarterback standing in the pocket, like Patrick Mahomes when he's, when he's set up, he's got the ball up near his left, in his case, shoulder pad. Think about Patrick Mahomes, or go Google image your computer. Any quarterback who's doing what he's supposed to do, Look at a picture of him just standing in the pocket with the ball. Up high, like he's scanning. You can tell that. Look at his feet. They would fit on about one of those little floor panels, like when you put glue down on a cement floor and just start slapping down those squares. That's kind of where a quarterback's feet, a little bigger than that, but not much. That's kind of where Tim Tebow, my gosh, it looked like he was stretching across the finish line of like the 100 meters, and he was just in the pocket kind of looking around. His b- footwork is so much more than, well, he's he steps wrong and it's off balance. And that's just where it starts with Anthony Richardson. Um, I read a comment, and again, this was just middle of the road. Nobody would – who is it? Um, Nolan Naraki, I'm trying to remember. There was somebody who just started – and there was a – he was just taking it out on black quarterbacks who were entering the draft. And I'm trying to remember who that was, and I don't want to fix that anybody else. But, um, And there were times I'd look at some of those descriptions, and I'd go, my gosh, how can any quarterback be bad at all that stuff? Um, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about I went to, like, Pete Prisca, like mainstream. I went to as garden variety between 49% and 51%. I went, like, as middle as I could. Another comment I found. Challenge for an NFL team will be determining whether he can be at least a functionally accurate passer. 
His accuracy on short and simple throws leaves much to be desired due in part to bad footwork, inconsistent rhythm. My, folks, now, do you know what he is? 6'4", 245, and what'd he go? 4'4", four, 3'? Four, <laughs> That's not nothing. And he can jump forward, and he can jump up, and he can do all of that stuff. His athleticism score... You know what that was? You get a production score. You get, this is next-gen stats, which some folks, you know, that you fall wherever you fall. But next-gen stats, I, it, it it's interesting to look at, and it all kind of makes sense if you, you know, I had to take a crowbar and, like, pry my mind open like a quarter of an inch because I was looking. I was, honestly, the first time I saw this stuff, I was like, that's sorcery. Um, next-gen stats, post-combine, they give you all kinds of stuff, man. Production score, athleticism score, all kinds. Next-gen stats draft model analyzes historical combine, pro day, college, all this stuff to predict a prospect's chances of success in the NFL. One of their – and they got a bunch of different little columns there. One of them is the athleticism score. He scored 99 – Folks, it could only be 100. That means if literally like if you built a robot, put it in an order with Dr. Frankenstein and said, I want an athletic quarterback or an athletic player. 99. <laughs> Anthony, you got the belt, brother. Like he is almost a robot you order and then somebody delivers it to you. Athleticism wise. He's got a long list of needs, and at the top of this list, time machine. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, jump into it next. Now more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Friday on the Chuck Oliver Show, nine states, 58 sticks. That's what we do, talking college football year-round. I appreciate everybody giving me the blessing. It, uh, it is awesome. Been doing it uh, eight and a half years now, so thank y'all. Uh, here's how you win at the highest level in college football, especially the deeper, you know, more southern and more eastern you get. Uh, here's how you win. Bottom line, Sunday guys, NFL players. And it is also how you get fired. And I've talked about that concept that when fans are looking up and they're like, I keep watching the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl and seeing a bunch of players from our school. Why do we win five games every year? That'll get you fired. Well, Tennessee coaches were getting fired for other reasons. 2011, there's a fourth-round draft pick and a fifth-round draft pick. 2012, there was a fifth-round draft pick. 2015 and 2016, there weren't any draft picks in any rounds. 2019, same sort of thing. This year, Darnell Wright is his big, giant offensive tackle, and I he stuck it out and worked hard and wasn't easy and did all these things. It makes me love Darnell Wright, and he's big and strong and a good tackle. He might be the fourth, and I think he can start early in the NFL. He might be the fourth best NFL player from Tennessee in this year's draft. 
What Tennessee do last year? They started winning big again. I'm telling you, it's, you got NFL players. That's just what it is. I can win seven games without NFL players. I can go to a bowl game most years without. If I want to win big in the SEC, got to have Sunday guys. Want to welcome on right now a guy who covers Tennessee for VolQuest.com, part of that uh, On Three Network. It is Eric Kane. Eric, how you doing, man? Today I'm doing well. Uh, the conversation about Tennessee players in the draft or actually not in the draft, uh, those were some dark days for the program because for a long time, I mean, Tennessee would do unique things. If people remember back in the day, they became the first program. They had two offensive linemen drafted in the first round and back-to-back picks. Um, they were just, they were an NFL factory and then it all went away. Talk about, uh, this year's draft class coming out of Rocky Top, because like I said, I love me some Darnell Wright. He might be fourth on my list of Tennessee guys. Yeah, I mean he, he he's phenomenal, and this is a really deep class for Tennessee because there won't it won't end up being like this. But there are four guys right now who have gotten some some round one love, right, and, and one mock draft or an analysis opinion or whatever the case may be. Uh, Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver, Darnell Wright, the offensive tackle, Byron Young was actually mocked twentieth overall to the Seattle Seahawks I'm or twenty third or whatever. Um, that was back a couple of weeks ago, and and then he runs a forty the way he does, and um, and then Hendon Hooker, you know, because he's a quarterback, and and teams love to to get up there and take quarterbacks, so uh, it won't end up that way. But I mean, there are four guys from Tennessee who have gotten some first round love during out this whole process, and you got Jeremy Banks who had a pretty decent showing at the NFL Combine, and some other guys who weren't even invited to the Combine, like Jerome Carvin, who's been a four year starter at Tennessee. Uh, they'll have to perform well at the pro day. So, you know, this is a deep class, and this is a really, really good class. But I'm like you. I think uh, Darnell Wright is um, – I think he might be a first-rounder. I really do. And he's deep, and um, he, he's a guy that's only 21 years old. He started 45 games in the SEC. Yep. A really, really good player and performed really, really well at the NFL Combine. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of kidding, but Jeremy Banks, I was watching him thinking, best thing for him is you can't get called for a late hit at the Combine. Uh, so, like, <laughs> the worst part of his game, it's not impossible uh, up in Indianapolis. But the point I want to make here, and I will actually ask you about, is, like, when Missouri, when they have an NFL guy and he leaves, they don't replace him with another NFL guy. Arkansas has – that's the divider for me. When an NFL guy comes through the program and he leaves, do you replace him with – is Tennessee at that point, have they stacked enough classes? I mean, he's only three classes in. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, it's about it's about how you develop. It's about how you get better over the course of Tennessee. And and so far, you can you can say Jalen Hyatt got a whole lot better with Josh Heupel. Um, you know, Byron Young, of course, was only here with Josh Heupel. Jeremy Pruitt signed him and brought him here, but yeah. he was only here with Josh Heupel's team and Rodney Gardner and all that. Uh, Darnell Wright absolutely got better under Josh Heupel, and so the track record looks you know pretty good from a developmental standpoint. So. You know, at those key offensive tackle positions, you know, what is what does that look like for Tennessee over the next couple of years in trying to replace Darnell Wright? At the wide receiver position, I feel pretty confident in saying that um, there's going to be a 1,000-yard receiver because there has been the first two years under Josh Heupel, and that's just kind of how this offense works. And, you know, we're talking all this stuff, and we didn't even mention Cedric Tillman, who had a really good showing, in my opinion, Absolutely. at the NFL Combine, yeah. uh, who ran a good 40 time for a guy that's not very fast. So, um, I think Tennessee's at a point now where the development is where it needs to be, and you are – it's just kind of like plug and play. Now, trying to replace Darnell Wright is going to be a difficult, difficult task on the offensive line 
next season, but there are good players. Wrapping up again, our good friend Eric Kane does a tremendous job. Follow him on Twitter at underscore Kaner, and then you can just click everywhere from that Twitter profile and uh, consume his product every single day. All right, this is scandalous. I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but uh, I don't know. Tennessee fans noticed. Uh, it will cost $5 to get into the spring game. Is that accurate? Is that a uh, is that a thing that people noticed, or did we move on? No, yeah, people noticed. <laughs> people noticed for sure. Um, you know, when you do something one way for so long and that being, you know, free admission in for the, for the orange and white game, and then you, you change it, um, you know, pe- people do notice and uh, understanding $5 is not a whole lot of money, but it could be a whole lot of money for, for some people, especially if you want to take your family and you take advantage of that spring game because it's free every single year to where you, you, you take your extended family and all that type of stuff. It just kind of is what it is though. This, um, you know, Danny White has done a lot of great things here at Tennessee, uh, but there's one thing about Danny White is he is going to change some things and he's going to make some money, and I think that's a really I think that's a positive thing about him. Um, he's not afraid to kind of kind of shake some things up. So you know, five dollars to the Orange and White game again. It doesn't seem like an awful lot. It can be to some people, but um, you know, Tennessee is always going to be trying to to make some money. This is a Tennessee administration, mind you, that started a GoFundMe or whatever the whatever it was, a fundraiser to replace the goalposts whenever Tennessee right. took them down after beating That's Alabama. If that wasn't needed, but it was a good opportunity to make some money, right? So – that's just kind of how he rolls, and I, I think that's a good thing about him and his position. Yeah, and you know what? I want to say this before I let Eric go because I don't want to think I was blaspheming. Like, one of those I said, they only had a fifth rounder one year. That was Malik Jackson back in 2012, and I swear, Eric, when Malik was coming out, I was like, he was only a fifth rounder. I think he's going to be good. He put together a heck of an NFL career. Uh, he certainly did, and there's been some other guys who have been late-round picks that have turned yeah. into some pretty good players. And now, Trey Smith – we all knew who Trey Smith yeah. was, and he had some circumstances, but he slid to the sixth round. He's a Super Bowl champion now with the Kansas City Chiefs. So there, Tennessee's, Tennessee's had a pretty good run of guys in the NFL, but there were some dark days there in the 2010s, and, and um, it looks like it's kind of getting back on track. And the power T has never been more – relevant in terms of the NFL draft process than this year than it has been in quite some time. Absolutely agree. And like I said, there's going to be multiple first rounders, like maybe even three or four America digital fist bump brother. See you soon. Hey, thanks so much. All right. Follow Twitter again at underscore K C A I N E R underscore Kaner. Uh, appreciate him coming on. All right. Chuck Oliver show continuing on this Friday. We'll take a quick break. Come back, jump right back into it. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. 
back to Southern Sports Today and the Chuck Oliver Show. All week all year, talk college football on Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states, 58 states. Yes. Uh, if you look around the NFL and any time a franchise, it doesn't even have to be one of the quote good franchises it's an nfl franchise even one like the rebirthed cleveland browns with no history of winning it's four and a half billion dollars and there is nothing that will change the value of a and basically we call it a team it's a company it's a business um so like in this case jimmy aslam he owns a four and a half billion dollar business nothing will affect the value of something that costs that much like a quarterback it is just, which is why I, Troy Aikman retired. He was like, I can't sleep. I wear dark glasses, uh, loud noises, all of this stuff. Uh, it was like four years after he reti- retired, he was having to tell the Chargers and Dolphins, no, no, I'm really not retiring. Um, but there is a guy, Philip Rivers, who has set all kinds of record and played for about, you know, 20 years himself. And he's 42, hadn't played in two years. And um, there was interest earlier this week in Philip Rivers. Now we're going to talk about the NFL draft and college quarterbacks and getting ready for the league and all of that. But we got a whole lot to talk about, including a guy that he's boys with. Want to welcome on right now. He is QB country. It is David Morris. How you doing today, brother? All right. We got him. And now David, David, you got us, brother. David. Hey, Chuck, how you doing? Fantastic, brother. I appreciate you. Glad you're uh, you're here. Uh, let's talk about if you have heard anything because your boys are Philip Rivers, right? Y'all know each other. Um, yeah. Talk about uh, just the and, and I don't. By the way, he said I'm not coming back. That ship sailed. Um, just how valuable and important. Somehow more so back in the days than Johnny Unitas, Joe Namath, Roger Staubach. Literally. Everything about an NFL franchise has become based around a quarterback, and even like the whisper of getting a guy like Philip Rivers is enough to get a fan base excited. Yeah, I mean, it like you said, you know, it's going to be hard to win football games without a guy that you can count on. And uh, yeah, I you know, and I don't know. I, I think Phillips. I think Phillips probably you know done. Um, but it wouldn't have surprised me one bit if towards the end of last season, you know, when teams are making runs and there's people banged up. I mean, you know, and you know, the guy knows every offense in the league probably. So wouldn't have surprised me much, right? If somebody reached out just in case there was an injury or something, but no, I, I really don't know, um, you know, what's, what would, what's going on with that situation, but, um, but he can still do it. I'm sure. A and then B, you know, it does go to show you just how much they value a guy that's gotten it done for a long time. Uh, even though he may be older and, uh, you know, playing quarterbacks a lot more than just about throwing it around, you know. Oh, absolutely. And if you ask me, like, is Phillip Rivers, could he be one of the 64 best quarterbacks on planet Earth? I'm like, eh, I probably bet he is just rolling out of bed, maybe even still. Uh, talking with David Morris, he is QB country. And I know that, like, you don't train Anthony Richardson. You've got a whole gaggle of guys you do work with. But I just want to talk about how you get guys prepped for that transition, that possible transition, um, because you got a lot of success stories. Like Daniel Jones was one of your uh, your pupils, correct? That's right. Yes, sir. Yeah, and he was a first-round pick, like sixth overall, and he just got broke off for the big contract, the <laughs> second one. Um, so when you're talking about to guys about making that leap to the next level, 
whether it's Anthony Richardson or anybody, I've always heard the phrase, an NFL field is not the place to learn how to play quarterback. Um, I looked at AR and saw he had a, you know Dan Mullen and Billy Napier, and he's still really in that I'm learning to play the position, is my opinion. Um, give me what you see with AR or just that general situation of I'm really not ready experience-wise, but I'm going anyway. Yeah. I mean, I think physically he's off the charts as, as good as we've ever seen. Um, big, strong, fast, uh, really, really talented, obviously. Um, he's a good kid. He's uh you know, I don't know him very, very well, but I know that he's, you know, a good kid, has high character. Don't know much about his leadership stuff just because I haven't been around him that much. But, and, you know, and then he, he can really throw it, and he has a, a pure stroke, and he's natural. Um, you know, the, you look at the stats, and, and it worries you a lot. I mean, he's in his career, he's 24 to 15, you know, less than 2 to 1 uh, uh, touchdown-interception ratio. That, that That's that's worrisome uh, very, in a big way. Uh, I would say that's one of the most important stats is just because the way you win football games is you don't turn it over and, you you know, you have positive plays. And then the other thing I always look at is just, you know, completion percentage and, and 55%, you know, he's 54 last year, 53.8. I mean, it worries you. Uh, that worries you. I mean, it just is what it is. It's, uh, you know, that's not good. In fact, that's really bad in today's game. So, you know, everything's not equal, and it's not all um, on him. You know, they weren't very good this year. And, uh, and this is really, you know, it's just, he had he's one year as a starter, right? I mean, you know, his year in 2021, really, he, you know, he only threw 64 throws. So, he had one full season under his belt. And, um, you know, l- again, less than two-to-one touchdown interception ratio last year. So, you, you just you worry a little bit about that. But it's, it's hard not to be influenced by his his physical traits. If we go back just a couple of drafts ago, and I don't know um, if you would have shared this opinion or whatever, but we were talking to an NFL scout, guy with three Super Bowl rings, and I said uh, this was like right after the season before things had kind of boiled out a little bit, and I was like, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, what are you doing if you're Jacksonville? And there was this pause, and he said, oh, they're not even close to the same place as a passer. Um, and he starts talking about reading and processing and delivering and footwork and stepping and all of this stuff. Um, talk about Drake May, maybe. Like, where is he on that scale of where Justin Fields could still be the 10th or 11th overall pick because of potential and athleticism, but a lot of work to do? Or Trevor Lawrence, who a pro scout looked at and said, no, 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 he's different. He's, he's ready now. Where do you think Drake mm-hmm. May may sit right now entering uh, the 2023 season? Yeah, it's a you know it's a good comparison. Interesting. Um, I think he, yeah, I think he sits probably like like Trevor did. Uh, you know, they're both big, long, tall, very athletic, uh, and they've they've been very productive. You know, I think Trevor going into this year, you know, had kind of two years under his belt, whereas Drake kind of has one uh, because you know he, he got, got red shirted. So you know, Sam Howell was there. So, I mean, you know, he has one less season under his belt. But, I mean, geez Louise, you watch his stuff last year, just production. I mean, he was, I want to say, 7-to-1 touchdown-interception ratio and, and, you know, completion percentage up, you know, way up there. And so, look, all these things aren't equal. I get it. Uh, but, yeah, Drake May is um, on the trajectory to, to be, you know, the first or second pick of the draft. And um guy we've trained for a long time up in Charlotte, Anthony Boone, runs QB Country Charlotte, uh, trains Drake and has done a great job with him. But I would just say that, uh, you know, Drake May is, is, is one of those guys that everybody's really excited about. 
you know, and I've talked about a concept because I know he comes from an athletic family, and I've said whether, like, dad was a quarterback or a coach especially, I said, here's it. We always talk about, like, the tangible knowledge of being able to, like, pick up football IQ and all that. I'm like, you know what the underrated part is? The son of a coach or a quarterback, he he understands that sometimes a coach just yells. He doesn't take it personally. Um, do you anything just top of your mind seeing that anecdotally? Because I'm like, son of a coach, I'll always take him every time because he understands that sometimes a coach just has a nutty. He doesn't take it personally and turtle up. Yeah, I mean, I think you're I think you're right. I mean, I think playing this position, particularly with a, a dad who played it, you know, the, the, anybody who uh, – you know, who's our age or older, uh, right, Chuck, or, or kind of used to that old school coaching mentality. And yeah. I think that, yeah, I mean, I think you do learn to uh, balance highs, lows. You learn to balance hard coaching. And you learn to balance, um, you know, good seasons and, and accolades and all that. And, uh, heck, I mean, you know, look back to last year, you know, Drake was in a big competition. And uh, I think, you know, it came down to the wire. And so, uh if he doesn't just play lights out in those first couple of games, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, that's how tight it was. And, um, but, you know, I think to have somebody like your dad or, a, 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 you know, who's a coach or a guy who played it, you know, I think it does. I think it's very, very valuable. I really do. Last thing for you, and let's go the other end of the, uh, as far as NFL prospects go, the other end of the, you know, physically dominant scale, Stetson Bennett. And I said, and I'll give myself credit, after the Michigan Orange Bowl, I said, I'm, I'm done predicting anything but success for the guy because he's like, my track record is really bad. Um, so he follows that up, you know, two national championships, all this. You don't have to be 6'4", 230 pocket passer anymore. Um, what's possible for Stetson on Sundays, do you believe? I think anything's possible for Stetson. Uh, he, uh, he can – he proved that his arm is as good as anybody's. Uh, I think he has special twitch. I think he has special quickness and suddenness. Um, he's played quarterback his whole life. Uh, he had incredible production at Georgia and incredible, you know, moments when it mattered uh, last year, right, and the year before. And so, you know, obviously Georgia's talented, but, I mean, what he did is, is really hard. You know, a lot of good quarterbacks came before him at Georgia that, you know, could, didn't, you know, quite get it done. So, you know, my, my thought um, is that, you know, Stetson needs to, uh, you know, get drafted and then he'll, he'll be behind a guy and kind of fight for his turn and then, you know, uh, be a backup for a little bit and then get a, get a break or, or, or win the job or something. I think he's capable of being an NFL starting quarterback. I really do. He's going to have to, you know, gain weight and, and keep weight on. But in general, he, he, can, he can play, man. He can really play. Yeah, the funny thing is, if I could tell you anecdotally, go back to the middle of, the, I guess, the 21 season where the Auburn game fell. And of course, I'm an Auburn grad. And I tell, I'm transparent. I'm like, I'm an Auburn fan. I want my team to win every Saturday. Um, going into that week, it was still sort of that JT or Stetson thing. And I remember being on the mm-hmm. air saying, as an Auburn fan, I hope it's Stetson because that's an opening. That's a crack. That's an, I was like, are you kidding me? Like the middle of a national championship season. And I wasn't alone either. Like Stetson was viewed as the downgrade from JT Daniels. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it, it it's the nature of being influenced by um, – you know, recruitment, uh, uh, being influenced by, uh, you know, uh, projections and, and five stars and, you know, the, the hype and all that versus a guy that's just damn good. You go back to Stetson's 
high school days. I mean, the guy, he's been really good at playing quarterback for a long time. So, you know, it is what it is. It's, uh, it's typical, you know, he's, he's, Five eleven or six feet, and the guy's six two or six three, and from California and was playing on a great team, and you know, high stuff early, and so yeah, his his path is was harder, but uh, you respect it a lot, and he's earned it, and you know, I'm really proud of him, really am. Yeah, there was a defensive back back at Georgia way back in the like twenty years ago, Tim Wansley, about five seven or five eight, and I was like, can he play in the SEC? And the response was, the, the guy who was there looking at him was like, he's a ball player, trust me, SEC. Um, if you are, you can kind of figure out a way to make it happen. David, appreciate you as always, brother. Thank you. Hey Chuck, thanks for having me on. You have a great weekend. Yes, sir. QBCountry.com. That's the website on Twitter. QB Country as well. It's quarterback training and development. Uh, Mobile, Birmingham, Huntsville, Jackson, Nashville, Memphis, Orlando, Atlanta, all of it. Um, He has a lot of first-round picks and success stories when it comes to figuring out how to do it with footwork, um, proper read, all of that stuff. David and his staff on top of the list, no doubt. All right, we're going to take a break, come back. We'll wrap up this hour one next. The king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. I expected that it was probably going to be Ole Miss in Alabama and whether it was going to be AM or Texas or somebody else, um, it's not something that I really thought much about because I wanted to play SEC teams. You know, when, that's why I came here. Brian Kelly commenting on the SEC schedule, as we have mentioned. Um, that is the expected three. And that was Brian Kelly's response. Chuck Oliver Show on a Friday. Appreciate everybody coming here in hour one, and boy, were you rewarded. And I'm talking about the outstanding commentary we got uh, from Eric Kane, ballquest.com. That's the On3 network. Uh, he's also uh, part of Locked On, uh, covering Tennessee. But Eric Kane came on as UT. Is, you know, I've said everybody's got their spring objectives. Josh Heupel has his. Yeah, I've got mine for Tennessee football as well. I've talked about this. I need my objective for Tennessee in spring. I need them to discover the new Princeton fan. And the truth is, I think a lot of other winning programs need to find their Princeton fan. I am talking about, now he was a much bigger version of this, and some folks say the Slash player. Do you know where that came from? That was Cordell Stewart way back in the day. Cordell Stewart was one of the very first guys in the NFL that um, you found playing different positions on offense, and, and like including quarterback was one of them. And they'd hand him the ball, and he'd run it, and he'd catch passes. And so Cordell, he was uh, a Slash the Swiss Army knife. That's what a lot of, and that's Princeton fans too big to be called either one of those guys. But it is the offensive player that can line up in so many different roles or at least do so many different things that it can create 
it's called assignment conflict or the positional ambiguity where, no, wait a minute, I just got in coverage against a guy who really is a receiver. That That's not, I'm no, I'm a defensive end. Like that happens sometimes. So that's conflict. Um, or how did I get up on the line? I'm a corner. What am I doing up here? These are big ones. These are guys with numbers in the 60s. And se- so you try to create that. And so a guy who can change formations without having to change personnel and really pull it off like Princeton Fant, not only does Josh Heupel want that in the spring, everybody needs to find a version of it. J.J. Pegues, he was sort of kind of going to be one, uh, and he transferred. But that's wasn't a, a bigger guy who you can do multiple uh, things with. It was offense – and defense in the case of J.J. Pegues. Um, Cordell Stewart, I said slash, that was multiple spots on offense. There was a guy, if you go back to, I want to say maybe it was, was it Stump Mitchell for the Cardinals way back in the day? He played both ways as recently as like the 80s. But Deion Sanders, he threw a hand up. and the Like, yeah, I hadn't played receiver in a while, but Michael Irvin was either hurt or suspended or something. Deion's like, yeah, I can catch passes. So he, in addition to being the best corner in the NFL and best kick returner in the NFL and punt returner in the NFL, he also, I don't know, played like half a season at receiver and caught 50 passes. So really, really, really special players can go offense and defense. Champ Bailey used to do that way back in the, like, end of the 90s. What draft was he in, 98 or 99? Champ Bailey at Georgia, he was as good a corner as existed in college football. And Jim Donnan would put him on offense. And a lot of it was just a little bubble screen. And Champ turned a bubble into a punt return, man. He, I saw, I saw one player outrun Champ. I think Karsten Bailey. Might have been the only player I ever saw, like, really. And it was it was not like Cam Newton outran Patrick Peterson. I don't think that actually happened. Uh, I think there was an angle involved. I think Karsten Bailey actually, I was like, wow. But other than that, Champ Bailey was playing against children in the SEC. And it's rare that you can play. I'm a slash guy. No, that's on offense. That means you play the slot. You stepped up to the line of scrimmage. You took a direct. That was Princeton Fant last year. He was like a big slash if you really want to talk like next level stud, it's not Kadarius Tony. It's not even Percy Harvin. Percy Harvin ain't do anything. Could play quarterback. But I mean, I'm not even. I, per, he could have. I would have let him coach. But as great as Percy Harvin was, because you know how great that was, it became what the Percy position. We need somebody to play the Percy position. That's multiple spots on offense. Oh my gosh, we better find number eight. Where's he lining up? I'm talking about the stud gets a hand up and said, no, I'm going to play on the other side of the ball. Quincy McAdoo. I'm going play, I'm to play over there. Two as well, in addition. Dan, how's a Friday? Uh, so far, so good. Uh, by the way, Champ Bailey was seventh overall, 1999, to Washington. Monster. Before uh, being part of that uh, monster trade that involved uh, Clinton Portis. Why uh, would you do that? Why There are like three shutdown corners in the NFL at any point. Do you know how easy it is to find a guy who can run for 1,000 yards? Like, why? 
awful trade. Well, I mean, has Washington in whatever incarnation of their team name has been, have they ever been known as making sound football decisions? No, and it was in 20 recent years times? ago when I shouldn't still be angry about it. But, yeah, it I was going to say. my team. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, uh, you know, Joe Gibbs is not coming through that door. The Hogs oh. are not coming through that door. Uh, Riggins, uh, same deal. It, it, it all is under the same category. Uh, the other night, uh, somebody made a quick little comment, and it was in reference to Ole Miss hiring Chris Beard or potentially hiring Chris Beard as their next basketball coach. And they said, well, you know, Lane Kiffin coaches football there, so it, it should make a lot of sense. My response to them was, what, what should make a lot of sense? What is Lane Kiffin necessarily known for other than at least a few years ago being known as, oh, hey, he gets jobs because of his daddy. That's that's why he gets jobs. I mean, my God, Daniel Tosh on Tosh.0 did a whole skit about Lane Kiffin being in positions because of Monty Kiffin. But I think we have gone way past that point. And I get, which I don't even understand what the Joey Freshwater re- uh, reference is. Uh, somebody even brought that up to me and I was like, what does that even mean? I, I don't even know what that means, because if you're trying to infer that Lane Kiffin is flimsy morally or that he, you know, skirts around ethics or anything else of coaching, I think he has actually gone above and beyond to prove that he doesn't do that with being one of the voices of reason whenever talking about name, image, and likeness, coaches leaving and going elsewhere or whatever it might be. I think if nothing else, these last few years, especially Lane Kiffin has proven to be incredibly impressive, not only as a coach, but also somebody who's pretty, uh, pretty strong in terms of putting things in perspective. Oh, I couldn't. I'm uh, yeah. I really don't understand that reference at all. I mean, it's like, you know, the Saban thing, he took the money and the payoff and he went to Alabama. And I was like, no, he actually took a pay cut to go to Alabama. Um, I really don't understand that. I got to agree with you, Dan. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the Derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan Wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia.